yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Alright, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not going to cover too many serial killers. That's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. Honestly, you can't call this a history podcast, because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. So first with us today, we got J-Bone. Hey everybody, how's it going? And also with us, we got Bugs. Yo, yo, yo. Alright, welcome to the show guys. Quick drinks roundtable. Bugs, this is kind of a, your okay. personal but also a show favorite, I believe. Yeah, I got the uh, Old Nation Boss Tweed. It's a double IPA with a 9.3 alcohol percentage. Shout out to uh, Tank for putting me hip to this. I know that's one of his favorites. It's also kind of fitting. Bad Guy Podcast, Boss yeah. Tweed, you know, all those dirty political connections. Yeah, the Gangs of New York has been on this show before. I think it's kind of funny because beer-wise, you're never really into IPAs. But there's just some certain ones where it's, you know, it's got that flavor, but it doesn't have that bitter. Right. I was going to say, I think I found one I like. And, uh, I'm a rock with this. And as a beer snob, that's good to at least have one an IPA yeah. that you yeah. can put in your pocket. Because as the listeners know, that's not a, you get a case of them and pound them all day. That's a, more of a, I plan on having three beers tonight, you know what I mean? All right, J-Bone. Well, I got uh, the Velvet Villain by Lansing Brewery, another home local Michigan brewery. We're coming in at 8.2 on the alcohol level. Pretty good. Velvet <laughs> Villain, it's smooth, like the name implies. <laughs> Soft and bad. Again, with the fitting names. Oh, yeah. If you could see this can, folks, it's, it's got like a old 30s type gangster, you know, if you will, on, on the can. Like, it's very fitting for the cast. A potential future cover art type can. Yes. Maybe. So, I got this Big Lakes Brewing Vanilla Captain's Porter. It's uh, it's my first time drinking it. It's definitely good. They're it's also of... fitting for you, you know, like the captain of the show. So yeah. Fuck yeah. I well, like no, it. it's fitting for you, like the Vanilla Captain. Like, that's what... <laughs> I think if you had like a nickname like that the pasty print <laughs> yes i want to make sure before we get started to thank six fosueno for letting us use his music in the intro go to his youtube subscribe to him always keep it local like our brews are all from michigan our you know our soundtracks from michigan like try and keep it local well yeah and then you can also go to show contributor cancer go to his instagram it's eyes bleed defiance it's like art, graphic design. He did our cover art. You could check that out there. Yeah, for you at home, like if you, no matter what you're doing, a book, an album, that's who you want to put out your your covers, your your posters, whatever you need. He can bring your ideas to digitized or paper form. It's like beautiful art. To sum it up, there's just mad talent on this podcast, yo. We got athletes, we got artists, we got rappers, we got diversity, <laughs> uh, heavy drinkers. Day drinkers. My oh, nighttime oh. drinking is one of my superhero powers. <laughs> All right, well, we'll go ahead and get started. And the bad guy we're covering today is Joseph Rohack. This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface, final scene. Fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. Rohack. Were you <laughs> saying his name or were you trying to clear your throat? It works for both at the same time. I think it's funny. It's Joseph, but it's Z-E-F. And I was practicing how to figure it, like, and then I realized, oh, wait, that's just Joseph. It's just spelled different. 
Yeah, could because in the Yiddish, in that kind of writing, what that would that would be Yosef Razak. But like we're you're reading it as Joseph, so we'll keep that as Rohak. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Because that would be like a recipe, and you say everything like ground beef, tortillas, cheese, habanero. Like so, <laughs> if you do the proper accent only on one thing, like how I know it's gonna be a tough one when there's a V above the C. What in the world? I'm just gonna go with Joseph Rohak because as the more I drink, the more I'm gonna butcher it. It'll probably turn into Joseph Yozak <laughs> on accident. Yeah. So Joseph Rohak was born in Levice, Czechoslovakia on September 6, 1956. He was one of five children, and his father was an alcoholic who would beat them. Oh, that was standard where they came from. <laughs> That's just 50s Czechoslovakia. Yeah. Well, it, it was 50s most of the world. That was even kind of here. Like, fuck around back in the day. Dads would bust their kids with a belt. Like, now you might get the kid divorcing their parent or whatever, but, like, <laughs> knock these motherfuckers in the head. Like, it wasn't a thing. Like, the old lady act up, too. I'm not trying to advocate for that, but, like, really? Like, the steak ain't done? It was just how business was done. I'm not trying to be an asshole. Everybody's looking at me like, I'm not OJ. I'm trying to be a representation of the past. Like, hey, this is how shit was. Bugs, get this man some scotch before someone gets smacked. <laughs> and a new part. His childhood was not particularly happy. He was often in a, he got in a lot of fights. He started a career at a young age of petty crime. In his own words, when he described his childhood, it was fights and alcohol, bad mouth in the communist regime, policemen, and suspended sentences. If he could be transported to Michigan in 2020, like, <laughs> wow. Right? He could be up in Lansing, man. Well, we're here drinking, like, IPAs, bitching about the comedy. We're locked in this studio. We can't even go see our friends and family. Like, I want to go home. So at the age of 29 years old in 1985, uh, Joseph Rohak had just finished serving his conscripted military service with the Czechoslovakian Army. He did everything properly and officially asked for a permit to travel. But in the meantime, he was running around pretty open mouth, uh, bragging about how once he got to Austria, he was never coming back. Word got around and his permit was denied and two policemen came to his house and confiscated his passport. Khrushchev said, yet? <laughs> because like bugs almost hit it right on the head inadvertently because Czechoslovakia at that time after World War II got split up. That became part of the Iron Curtain. That's under Soviet like. Right. Like, that hat you're wearing is awesome, Bugs. Like, it, like it kind of, like, you're my comrade. When he got his passport removed, he didn't react well to that. So, him and a friend obtained two guns, and they came up with a plan that started with kidnapping a deputy minister of health. Him and his friend, they go kidnap this government official, and their plan is to use him as a hostage to get over the border. The plan fell apart once they actually reached the border crossing. They ended up surrounded by police. And then after a brief shootout, uh, Joseph ended up surrendering. Now, he said later that he surrendered because the health ministers, he was real sick and he needed medicine. So they were sitting there and they're trying to have the shootout and figure out how to get away. And this guy's like, needs his medicine and is getting sick as they go. So he finally just had to say, all right, fuck it, this ain't going to work. Didn't it seem like a well thought out plan? Like, first off, you got to pick somebody healthy. And, like, you got over the border and you're just going to let him go. Like, that's not going to go over well, dude. I'm like, who gives a fuck about the uh, the minister of health? Like, the communism's like, hey, we don't even care if you guys get bread. You're here. Go work over there and make me some shit until you die. And then your cousins would have put you in a hole. Like, he just keep... That minister of health thing, that was made up. They didn't even have that in Czechoslovakia in 1956. He's like, oh, we'll find a new minister of health. It's fine, dude. He alcoholic anyway. Put him in hole. Through the shootout, there was a, one of the police officers on the scene was a guy named Jaroslav Tolman. Now, he had almost got hit with a bullet which led him to testify as a witness. Now, Toman's testimony served as a basis to accuse Joseph Rohak of intent to kill, which he had denied. 
But, I mean, it's a shootout. What I mean... Toman was awarded a medal for protecting the borders of the Czechoslovakian Socialist Republic. Joseph Rohak was sentenced to 15 years for terrorism, starting his sentence in the Ilava prison. Wow. No, I bet you Yaroslav wasn't an innocent bystander. Like, they left out of the report he was one of the KGB agents, like, Yes, and I want full charges pressed. Terrorists! He had an award for almost getting hit with a bullet. <laughs> for real. And once again, the Soviets don't give out awards, so, like, he, that's like, thank you for playing bowl. Almost immediately after showing up at the Olava prison, Joseph Rohak became the only person under the communist regime to ever escape from that prison. Uh, he was eventually recaptured, and four more years were added to his original sentence, but the escape at all had earned him a lot of respect around, among the prisoners, like nationwide, and he was soon transferred to the Leopoldov prison. The Leopoldov prison was a 17th century fortress built by the Ottoman Turks. Uh, in the 19th century, it was converted to a high-security prison. And then during the communist regime, it was used primarily for holding political prisoners. It was either high-security, so it was murderers, rapists, and political prisoners is what they held there. The conditions were harsh, and it was one of the most notorious prisons in the former Czechoslovakia. So poor Joseph is in there with some bad people. They're like, what'd you do? I crossed the border. <laughs> like, I tried to cross the border. <laughs> no one escapes. No one. Well, you got in a shootout. You must kill like at least a couple people, right? No, no I like glaze somebody. <laughs> I nearly missed Yaroslav Toman. You know the hero, the war hero <laughs> that almost took one, not for the team. Yosef was uh, regularly beaten in Leopoldov prison. Now he already had a, a, a reputation because of his previous escape. Then one time he was caught talking to some other prisoners, and he was accused of conspiracy and plotting. Well, they demanded uh, for him to reveal who he's talking to, and he wouldn't give up any other prisoners. So they beat him within an inch of his life. So he kind of became like a, a prison folk hero. He's Mad getting, respect. Getting his uh, Che Guevara on. Like. <laughs> what would be fucked up is if he if he really wasn't plotting. Well, like, that, that word, you're cons if more than one person is talking, you're conspiring. True. Like, even if we're saying, hey, man, let's go you know, after, you know what I mean? Let's go get some shrimp and then go out. Like, conspire just means to be planning. So right, you're conspiring to barbecue later. Or He could have easily, innocently been like, no, no man, I'm going to listen. I'm going to go to my bunk and go to bed. Oh, you're conspiring to go to bed now, you little bed? You little freedom <laughs> lover? Come here. Come here. In 1989 in Czechoslovakia, there was a nonviolent transition of power which led to the dismantling of the communist regime. It's now called the Velvet Revolution. Mr. So Gorbachev. Tear down that wall. Czechoslovakia was no longer a communist regime at this point. While that transition was nonviolent, Yosov took advantage of the flux in the government to plan and organize the 1990 Leopoldov prison mutiny. It got so severe at one point, uh, Yosef was, wasn't one of the prisoners to negotiate directly with Federal Minister of the Interior, Jan Langos. And Jan Langos negotiated with him from the prison. That dude was an interior decorator? <laughs> His apartment looked like shit. The prisoners, they resisted for weeks, and they barricaded themselves using razors, petrol bombs, improvised flamethrowers, and they demolished everything that basically was bolted down. Now, the revolt climaxed on March 28, 1990, when hundreds of prisoners managed to set the roof of the castle on fire. Now, at this point, I'm vaguely, I think I'm remembering this from a real-time news story, I'm just going to take one little guess here. Does the Russian special forces come in now when the prison's on fire? Yes. Okay. I, I vaguely, <laughs> I don't remember this guy's name or nothing. I remember this prison. This was a real thing. Like, yeah, Yes. Because um, how in his story where you're saying, like, 
the revolution was of kind of velvet but afterwards this is when the rot the, they got free and there was no more communism the russian mob formed so like they were selling nuclear bombs and submarines like they weren't right. selling like heroin and like <laughs> prostitutes bitches you know yeah. they were like you Top want notch. you want nuclear bomb like <laughs> hey hey I, I want to say in the customer, like, let's not do that at in 89. Let's not give that to Iran. I, I was just watching the movie War Dogs earlier. It's like, hey, uh, would you like to buy 130 million AK-47 bullets? What? <laughs> the fuck did you just say? I'm not for gun control, but I kind of, like, say we monitor who we sell nukes and nuclear submarines. And You want the aircraft carrier? I do the new PayPal. Come see me. As you mentioned, once they lit fire to the prison, the government said enough's enough. They sent in 1,700 soldiers, almost 500 policemen and corrections officers, and 62 members of the Red Beret Anti-Terrorist Squad, which was the same group that had beat up a bunch of unarmed students at a peaceful march at the University of Prague during the Velvet Revolution. Uh, That's how (laughs) communism works, bro. (laughs) The Velvet Revolution that was uh, nonviolent, and you're talking about these Red Berets beating the fuck out of a bunch of students? Because they did it in a movie theater. They hung the people with velvet ropes, asshole. (laughs) By the time the revolt was done, 30 prisoners were injured from beatings or gunshots. Uh, one prisoner died from jumping off the roof. Betcha he didn't jump. He threw that revolt just to go to the top of the roof. He said he had a bad time in life. He'd not want to live no more. Like, no, he didn't. Yaroslav fucking threw him off, and you know it. When it was all done, they did over $27 million of damage to the prison. And they considered just shutting the prison down altogether. They opted to keep the prison open. And what they did was they dumped a few million dollars into repair, and then they blocked off some areas. So some areas are now protected as historical monuments. But even today in Slovakia, it's still used as a medium to high security prison. Oh, yeah. You blew half of it up, but, like, the other half that still stand, lock these people up. No lights, no food, no running water. Like, it's just, (laughs) we can use. It's still good. Within months of the prison riot ending, Yosef was released with thousands of other prisoners because of... A large gaping hole. Uh, <laughs> there was a there was a wide ranging amnesty of political prisoners by President Vyacheslav Havel. So once the communist regime was gone, a new president came in, and some people say that he might have already had word that his release was coming during the riot. Well, that's staying true. That's Might keeping well it. A bang, right? And that's keeping it local. He's helping his fellow cellmates. Like, hey, I know I'm got, I got an outdate, but you guys don't. We're not being oppressed no more. And I'm kind of bored, so let's just have fun. Yeah. <laughs> let's burn this bitch down. After his release from prison, uh, Yosef immediately went to his brother, and they started a business privatizing buildings using coercion. A.K.A. bust outs. Yes. Like... Hey, pay us for protect. You can't pay this week? Uh, well, we own the bakery. You and your old lady still make the pierogies. We just get the money. Yeah. Yeah, strong. They're basically just strong army people. Okay. He immediately went to work in the Slovakia underworld where he specialized in explosives and evidence disposal. <laughs> the human paper shredder strikes again. <laughs> evidence disposal. That means he chopped up bodies and shit. Like, because the gun. Right. Not like here in our Western society, we would generally. Bop, bop, double tap you and then throw the gun in there, you know, so you don't get caught with a gun. There's no forensics. Like, you've seen that shithole of a prison. Like, it was yeah. made out of mud. When the countries first broke up, in that time frame, you're about to have what's called Czechoslovakia here civilly break up with. So it's going to be Slovakia in the Czech Republic soon. So you could murder folks and then you just needed a fucking Josef Razovac to fucking, hey, man, you want to chop these dudes up? <laughs> well, and that's actually... 
almost exactly at this point because that that was then called the Velvet Divorce, but that was 1993. So man, I got the Velvet Villain. We had the Velvet <laughs> Massacre, the Velvet Revolution. Now what's this called? The Velvet what? The, the Velvet, velvet Makeup. Divorce. Yes. <laughs> Keep it velvet, y'all. They know. were jamming Velvet Revolver. Fuck them. Guns and Roses. You know, hey. While researching any of those, Velvet Revolver is always the first thing to pop up. Long live Scott Weiland. Too soon. Rip. Uh, but yeah, so that was 1993. Czechoslovakia splits into the Czech Republic and Slovakia. Joseph lived where he'd always lived, which had used to be Czechoslovakia and now was Slovakia. He developed a reputation as like a super organized, meticulous planner. In 1996, there was a guy, his name was, this guy's name's Oscar Fegeviers. He was an ex-secret agent who was testifying in a case that implied the involvement of the prime minister and the director of information service. Okay. So he had to go into hiding and he had got to a point where he was only communicating through his close friend, a former police officer named Robert Remius. Now, a deputy director of information service was close friends with the local Bratislav Mafia boss. So he went to them and said, hey, put out a, an order to assassinate Robert Ramias. So the boss delegates this hit to Joseph Rohak, who was accompanied by a guy sent by the director who was also a member of the information service. And I'm sending a friend with you, so you get killed if you don't kill. On April 26, 1996, Rohak placed an explosive device under Remius's car. He attached it to the rear axle. The explosion did not kill him immediately, but he burned to death in the car on the street. Tough way to go. Yeah. Very. And you got to put that pup right under the driver's seat, man. I don't know why. The rear axle, like, maybe. No, like, because you're doing that, it's dirt, you know? So, like, I'm laying down. My intent might be to put it under the driver's seat, like most of them go, or right in the middle of the council. But, like, well, shit, they're coming out the restaurant. I just, you know, you get it up there, you know? If it don't work, we'll bomb again tomorrow. We're over in fucking, like, a civil war. <laughs> Joseph Rohak, or Joseph Rohak, you, you said it would happen. Joseph. Sure <laughs> Joseph Rozak. I say just keep rocking with it. Keep <laughs> going. He was later investigated for the murder, but due to government pressure, all charges were dropped against him in relation to the murder of Robert Remius. After this, Joseph's reputation as an assassin reached a high level. A guy that was considered the boss of all Slovak bosses, he had a falling out with a young crime boss named Robert Holub. He was a young hotshot. He had lucrative businesses on the eastern Slovakia territory, and he had a bunch of government contacts in the information service. So he is killing the game, and the big shot boss of bosses didn't like it. He wanted to take over his territory and replace him, replace Robert Holib with his underboss, who he thought was more of a loyal guy. To me, it sounds like a matter of, like, you know, this young lion, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, oh, this guy's going to be a pride a thing. Yeah, well, this yeah, this guy's gonna be a problem someday. Like he gonna walk up here and fuck all the bitches, man. I gotta do something <laughs> about him. He gonna be a problem, not my problem. I have ninety nine problems, but he will not be one. <laughs> so he decides to try to kill Robert Holum. He has three separate assassination attempts fail. So he tries to kill him three different times. Every time it fails. Ooh, looking like you're not too good at that. Like, <laughs> or maybe Robert's just too good, man. Yeah. On the third attempt, not only did it not work, uh, but Robert Holib found out the identity of one of the attackers, who they tracked down. That guy fled the country. When they couldn't get him, instead they kidnapped his brother. When it turned out his brother had nothing to do with the business, and couldn't give him any information, they just tortured him and murdered him. 
Send in a message, brother. Send in a message. That's all. Yeah, exactly. It's business. It's not personal. It's not personal to Robert. I just lost my brother. Like, what? <laughs> you should not fuck with the interior minister of information. Hmm. So the boss of bosses decides we got to step this up. I'm going to call Yosef Ra- I am saying Yosef now. Yeah. Let's just go with it. <laughs> he reaches out to Robert and tells him, hey, I got some infolighter information on where the guy you're looking for is at. Says, uh, meet me at the Danube Hotel. On September 4th, 1997, Robert Hulub and his right-hand man, Stefan Fabian, show up for a meeting at the Danube Hotel. While at the hotel bar, a masked Yosef Rohak entered the bar, opened fire on both Hulub and his friend, then fled the hotel, dropping the weapon in the flower bed out front. Which, kind of like you said earlier, they, yeah. they, they just leave their guns leave wherever, they don't give a fuck. Fabian died on the spot, but Robert Hulub, despite being four times, survived and was rushed to the hospital where they saved his life. Slovak Tupac, son. <laughs> so then the, that's the fourth failed attempt now? Uh, correct. Man, this dude is like four is from Lawless. He's just invincible. On October 5th, Rohak went to the hospital where he scaled the roof, uh, climbed down through the roof, and shot Robert Hubel through the window, hitting him in the head four times. Fool me once, fuck me. Now I'm coming Spider-Man. I fucking came off a piece of web off the ceiling and shot you four th- in the head. Just... Headshot's usually game over. Yeah. You don't even double tap. I shoot you in the chest or something like that, double tap. Like I put four in head to make sure. You get the bullet <laughs> hole in the head here, here, and here. Make you not vote against me. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. What, what was crazy when I was doing the research, I had to figure out, like, as I'm trying to, like, how this went down. I'm like, oh, so he shot him through his window from the roof? Like, no, he scaled down from the roof to the window. And like shot him Santa the- Claus, I tie rope around chimney, <laughs> gently make my way over to window, and pap, 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 in the head. Hey, go have some vodka, with, go to bed. He ain't getting away the fifth time. He's, like, he's in the hospital, he can't go nowhere. I'm gonna get him. Can you imagine, like, those doctors that saved this guy's life? Like, whew. Four bullet wounds and we saved them. Yes, this man's going to make it. Save, pat, pat, the, pat. save these four, asshole. All right. <laughs> Pour the scotch. <laughs> On February 6, 1997, a group of assassins killed the ruling boss of a local mob organization in front of a Holiday Inn hotel in Bratislava, Slovakia. Good shit. That's the capital. That's the capital. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, this murder caused a power vacuum between competing factions for control of the organization. The more powerful faction was ran by the Dinnick brothers, but the more respected faction was ran by the former boss's right-hand man, a guy named Robert Bucket Lallis, who, he had the organization, but he didn't have the muscle. So he brought in Joseph Rohak for assistance. On May 9th, 1998, Edward Dinnick, he was an avid tennis player. He was killed in an explosion from underneath concrete tiling on the pathway that led to the tennis court where Dinnick was known to play. Rule totally accident. The device was remotely detonated at the very moment that Edward Dennick was over the spot. Once again, accident. <laughs> Pieces of human tissue were collected by the police from a radius of 492 feet from the blast. Dang, he got blown up. Oh, it's like a good home run in the middle of I'm... summer, like a 500-footer. Like, <laughs> yeah. He just blew... Imagine a kid just swinging on the swing and like a finger lands next to him like, excuse me, what? And to this day, then, cement blocks haven't been replaced. <laughs> We're now a historical monument. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's, why fix it? Just, <laughs> just slap a sign over there? This is where Edward Dinnick was blown up. It was nuts. Slovakia's winning the war on tennis. No more. 
One of the officers that responded to the scene said it was so horrific that he developed an alcohol problem that <laughs> took him decades to beat. Oh, I forgot because I was drunk when I got there that I already had the alcohol problem for 17 years prior to the murder. <laughs> this story made me develop an alcohol problem. No, oh, the crime scene. Like, oh, they blew. He was 500 feet away from impact. You know, I just, like I say, you know, I've been drunk since 1980. It's now 1989. You said Fuck it took me. him 12 years to beat. No, it said decades. Decades. No. Like, no, dude, Meaning that's your life. you went to the grave with that <laughs> bottle of vodka. Like, yeah, dude, your life. Exactly. Now, his brother, Robert Denick, swore revenge for his brother. But uh, Joseph Rohack was a detailed planner. And he found that Robert was divorced and regularly visited his ex-wife to pick up and drop off the two daughters. He surveilled him for a long period of time and eventually started to watch him from a park van across from his ex-wife's house. On October 4th, 1998, at 7.40, uh, Joseph Rohack and another gunman jumped out of the van and opened, machine, opened fire with machine guns at Robert Dinnick and his bodyguard as they were leaving the property and getting into the car. Like, after after dropping off the kid. Because like, yeah. he's a detailed planner. Like, if you... This story took that turn. Like, no, dude, let the kids get in the fucking house, dude. Right. Yeah, it was, it was after they were leaving the property. Okay, right on. It makes total sense. It wouldn't make sense the other way, but... You never know where these stories... Sometimes they'll have that, like, you're with a guy, and then, like, oh, dude... The bodyguard was shot seven times. Robert Dinnick was shot 19 times. Both were dead at the scene. Uh, the assassins immediately detonated the van and escaped in a vehicle that pulled up and that was later found charred in the forest. After getting shot, like, seven times, any number after that, that's just brutal. Like, that's that's personal. Well, like, the guy that took 19, they were just padding the stats. Like, you had him killed at, I'm going to say, seven, eight, nine. Right, that's what I'm saying. Definitely and, 10 and 11. 19? Now we're just wasting lead at this point. Like, and we're in a, a part of the world at that time that's kind of, you know, they don't have Walmart. You don't just go buy a new box of ammo. Like, that was just Joseph saying, Oh, you swore vengeance against who? Okay. All right. Let's make a statement. Did you see what your brother? Did you hear about the alcohol pr- problems that his death caused? What was it? I think of the, uh, the Valentine's Massacre. It was like 24 bullets or something like that in that dude's body. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Well, I mean, this guy caught 19. I mean, that's got to be yeah, up there that's... in the the top the top echelon of bullets we've seen in a body for sure. Yeah. After the death of Robert Dinnick, their organization was practically ceased to exist, and Bucket Lalas went on to become one of the premier mob bosses in Slovakia and continued to use Joseph Rihlak as his muscle for most of his hits. So, uh, what we're gonna do? We're gonna go ahead and take a quick smoke break, refill our drinks, and we will be back in a minute. I'm 
Thanks for listening. Just real quick, want to ask you to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Go to Apple iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and leave us a review, and we'll read it on the show. If you have any questions, comments, or a guy that you would recommend we cover, you can email us at sayhellotothebadguypodcast at gmail.com. We also want to thank Sixfo Sueno for letting us use his music in the intro. You can subscribe to him on YouTube and also a friend of the show, Cancer. He's got an art, photography, and graphic design page at Eyes Bleed Defiance on Instagram. You can see a lot of his work, including our cover art, which he designed. And he also performed the mid-show song, Blood, from his album, Grenades, Pistols, and Rape Whistles. Now back to the show. All right, and we're back. Full what it do? Everybody else is standing pat drink-wise, but I've switched to Too Hearted, which is my go-to default. Yeah, like like the Boss Tweed, that's a you know that's a common contributor to this podcast. Well, and I similar to that, I'm not a big IPA fan. That's my you know if I'm going to drink an IPA, Too Hard is the way to go. I would say. If we're drinking regular like domestics, you know we're gonna pound. Ah, they're like potato chips. I can't stop after. I just can't have just 19. <laughs> like these are meant for a podcast because. You're going to have two or three over the length, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, oh, Lord, when you have three, like, our fans know because those – it's a podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historical gangster. So right. if at the end of some of them you're like, motherfucker, get shit, killer, Bert. <laughs> <laughs> I just got done pounding a Coney dog, and I'm still still working on this Boss Tweed. Right. That's life. That's the all-American. Boss tweeting the Coney dog shit. Yes, sir. Tell me something more USA than that. <laughs> you get, that's America. Just, as when we left off, uh, Bucket Lalis basically rode the wave of using Joseph Rohak as his you know, muscle to develop one of the premier criminal organizations in Slovakia at the time. Now, you don't got to remember these names, but some of the hits uh, Joseph that Joseph did for him over the years, he killed a Ukrainian mobster named Daler Hilvaka. An entrepreneur named Roman Dayek, and a crime boss from Dubnica, Slovakia, named Joseph Kukmerko. Those three or four names. Those three. Three. You know, he obviously did the Dinnick Brothers. He did a few more, but quick centerpiece of the work that he yeah. was out there fucking. Get the gat. Get the gat. Get the gat. <laughs> when it started off, originally those Dinnick Brothers had the muscle, and the you know they were the more powerful. But Buckets kind of had the reputation and the respect and the organization. He just didn't have the muscle. Apparently, one Joseph goes a long fucking way. Yeah, and Joseph kind of, uh, like, how he was respected through the ranks coming up to this point in the story. Like, uh, you even get that from him for... Because usually in these stories, you're it's a separate guy that's the real brains of the operation and one's the muscle. <laughs> you're getting a complete package here, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Buckets would use Joseph as far into like he used him for so long he even in, in 2004 a gang referred to as the Takakovki started to operate into Bucket's territory and he suspected them for an assassination attempt on one of his men he wanted to take out one of their leaders or set an example he picked this guy named Ivo Ruzik and he was known to always have heavy security and would drive around in a black a black armored Mercedes of course Buckets He's got a guy for that. Yosef, yeah. come on. <laughs> so he calls he calls Yosef. Yosef Rohak decided to do it at a building where this guy had an office. And what he did was he spent his time surveilling it and observing it. And he would switch uh, disguises. Like he would 
you know, is a jogger, a cyclist, a tourist, and he would just kind of change outfits and just peep out this building and kind of get his routines down. And he decided he wanted to go with an explosive that he'd magnetically attach to the back entrance where the guy would go in and out of. I, I gotta say, that's like next level, like psychopath, like that's crazy to be like, all right, hey, yeah, on Monday I'm gonna be a jogger. Like he's he's thinking like, dude, I'm so slick and like I'm gonna come up with this magnetic bomb. Like you gotta be messed up, like different level in the head for that. But different level in a smart way, too. Like, if these were cops doing a sting, that's how you would surveil or army doing recon. You wouldn't really let yourself be known because if he sees the same dude out there all the time, like, all right, who's this motherfucker eating a donut right there every day at 2 o'clock? Right. But if he he got a fake mustache jogging by, and then he's got a hard hat acting like he's fixing the telephone pole. You know, if he looks like different shit, you're going to be inconspicuous. He takes his job seriously, <laughs> very seriously. Well, I, I I guess I say it for a lot of people on this podcast, but if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Right. right. If this story of this assassination doesn't end with him scaling a building, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> so uh, December 2nd, 2004 at 1 o'clock, uh, Ivo Ruzik was going to his office. He approached the door with two of his bodyguards, and the explosion was triggered. It was so powerful, it collapsed, collapsed the whole wall. <laughs> Now, it was overkill. oddly enough, it was so much damage that it actually kind of protected him. So him and his two bodyguards, they suffered a bunch of severe injuries. One was deaf after that. They were pretty fucked up. But all three of them lived. Uh, but the Tagakashi never encroached on Lalas's territory ever again after that. Even, it's one of those things like, yeah, you survived, but you're not okay. Well, I mean, I guess that's one of those game changers where you, you survive that bomb and you're like, you know what? I'm not going to push it. This motherfucker ain't playing. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, like, middle ground. Like, I do what I want. I expand my territory. Boom, blow bomb in my face. You have. You have. We're good. We're good. (laughs) And for the record, so we'll jump a little bit ahead of spoiler alert. Joseph Rohak never got convicted of any crime he ever committed in Slovakia. So all those murders, those are just... Chalk those up to the game. Like, that's... Al Capone-esque, man. He should have had, like, some tax evasion or something to get him on. But the whole time he was doing this, in the meantime, so now we're going to kind of jump back in the timeline. He had always worked as a contract hitman for, like, crime bosses in Slovakia. But he had also did a lot of hits in Hungary. And he worked primarily in Budapest in Hungary. And some of the crimes that he committed in Hungary were... November 1st, 1996, he killed a Hungarian millionaire, uh, Joseph Pristas. He shot him in the head on the streets in Budapest. There was a guy, a media magnate, which is like, I don't know what that means, like a big-time media guy. Yeah, yeah. But that's not like Howard Stern, that'd be more like a Ted Turner. Yeah, like a guy behind, like a, a Rupert Murdoch. Like, he owns all the Fox News media, but you'll never see his little fucking yeah. pudgy face on there. He just, you know. This guy's name was uh, John Osfenyo. And he was shot in his car in Budapest at a traffic light on February 11th, 1998. He also committed a series of bomb attacks against the headquarters of several different political parties in Budapest. He also bombed the houses of two members of parliament in spring and summer of 1998. And see him doing this work, guys, in Hungary is around the time when... uh... In 89-90, when the Soviet Union broke up and they went crazy, started selling subs and aircraft carriers and what, in addition to all the other good shit, Interpol was created. Like, we never really had international police, like, where Budapest worked with Moscow, who worked with New York, who worked with, like, you know. Yeah. yeah. 
a huge, huge, like a international police state almost. Well, you see, he kind of got started doing crimes for Slovakian government. Well, he was workers. keeping it local. He was, he was yeah. his hometown. He wasn't venturing far. And then as he rose in that game, and you know, was a hero for escaping and all that. Like, hey, you know, hungry hmm. needs you too. Yeah, I travel now. Yeah. Well, he should have stuck in Slovakia. Well, yeah, like because you know. <laughs> They were just becoming their own country after 70 years of the Soviet regime where they plopped two together. Like, that'd be like if they stuck Ohio and Michigan together and be like, ah, oh, it's goobadoo. Like, you know, like, after we break up, there's going to be disorder. Like, because there was one Soviet-style police policing us. Now we broke up. It's like, you yeah. get your own cops, you get your own agriculture system, you get everything. Well, right, everything Start was in from scratch. It was a crazy system. He got greedy. So, July 2nd, 1998, uh, Rohak assassinated a local mafia boss named Thomas Barros in Budapest. He placed explosive underneath a Fiat vehicle and parked it near the center of the city where Barros was known to frequent. He triggered the device when Barros was nearby, but it not only killed him, but it also killed three innocent bystanders and injured 25 others, including four nationals. Wow. Yeah, that's extreme. That's one thing that I was that I was like thinking about is like he does a lot of bombings. Like how many innocent people got hurt? This is the first one where he kind of like points that out. Yeah. Well, a, a couple people had got hurt when he blew up part of that building, but this one got some innocents killed. And I didn't get into it because I'm already listing a bunch of names that are weird. Right. But a lot of uh, almost every time he did a bombing they explained the equivalent of this much tnt which it seemed like he was good with bombs but he tend to go overboard excessive with the bombs when you blow somebody's body 423 yards yeah yeah you're doing too much man well you can see from this picture he didn't just blow up that car i mean that looks like half the damn city a block he took out a block you know (laughs) so it's almost like uh that middle east uh like type bombing what ultimately ended up becoming his undoing was a failed hit of a businessman named Zoltan Serez in June of 1997. The hit never went off right, and a device that had dislodged from the bottom of his car, eventually when they went to an international database, uh, came up with Rohak's fingerprints. Joseph Rohak was arrested in Hungary in 2008. They had the device, so they had that as evidence, but they didn't have, since it never went off and the guy was never killed... They didn't have enough evidence to push for a prepared execution charge. So he was only sentenced to two years in prison. And then three years of persona non grata in Hungary. Hmm. Which meant he had to go to prison for two years. And then for three years, he was not allowed back in Hungary. <laughs> That's We're exiled. So Rohak was released in October 26, 2010 problem was that while he was in the prison system in 2008 they got got dna on him the dna acquired during his imprisonment ended up being connected to the murders of janos ferris and tomos burroughs which also meant the three other people that got blown up and they really wanted to make sure they set an example on that because a bunch of internationals and tourists got hurt so on april 2011 Joseph Rohak was extradited to Hungary, and in 2016, he was sentenced to life in prison for the murders of Janos Fanyo, Tomas Barros, and the three innocent victims in the bombing. Dang. Caught up to him. Yeah. Yep. Well, early in the story, we were talking about how they don't have forensics here right now, so it's just <laughs> starting. That he's good. He's good. See how that shit caught up? You said, I was going to say, you said 2011. I was like, hey, that's 
pretty recent. Like, yeah. <laughs> like hey, is this it. motherfucker alive still? Because I want to go back and re-say some of the stuff I said. If, uh, if Joseph's still out there running the streets, uh, <laughs> I just want to say, hey. I'm I want to make t-shirts like Free Joseph Exotic. Like. <laughs> Free Joseph Exotic. In 2018, when uh, several people were convicted of the murder of the Hungarian millionaire, Joseph Christos, Joseph uh, Rohat came out and admitted to the murder because he had committed it. And his quote was, I did many bad things in my time, but I don't want anybody to be in prison for something that I did. I was going to say, isn't that how he became like a prison like hero? Is by like sticking to the code or something like that? Yeah, like, not being, snitching. So, being heroic. Yeah. So, and I that's mean, not even something we ask of you to do. Like That's just on your own. Like, hey, I'm already here. I'm this age. I'm going to die in here. And so, no, they don't take you for that, like, just because they're bastards, you know, fuck the police. I did that one, too. Go ahead. Throw another 30 years on my 80-year sentence. (laughs) I'm I'm never getting out of here, so. I'm 60 or something, and I got sentenced to 100 years. I did that one, too, like, you know. And he's not trying to keep a a guilty guy out of prison. He really did that. Right. The guy that got charged with it actually tried to chase Joseph down after the murder. And that just goes to speak, I think, to the political system at some point. Yeah. In, in the real world, Joseph committed that murder, and this guy tried to stop him, and then almost got convicted for that murder, like, 20 years later. Now, if he did get convicted, he's in prison, he's like, I'm innocent. Like Everybody's like, yeah, we all are. Yeah, like, yeah of course you are. Who in here ain't? <laughs> Go sit down. Okay, there's two things that everybody in here is. We're all named Joseph, and we're all innocent. All right, so that's the story of... Joseph Rohag. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Go on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. All right, now that wraps it up. Did he die in prison? Is he still alive? He's still alive. So we can uh, get some passports and go visit this dude? Yeah, so we can can send him a letter? That's kind of crazy. No, I fall in love to Joseph because he is hero to me. All he wanted to do was live free and fight the communist regime, man. That's a, isn't that the dream we all have? <laughs> I've seen Red Dawn. Yes. Now, this one's a bit of an exception because we cover a lot of these stories that, you know, around here and they intersect with each other. We obviously don't cover a whole lot of criminals from Budapest or Slovakia, but a lot of times on this show, the criminals overlap. Now, if we were going to cover somebody else from this episode... Who else do you think you'd want to hear more about? Uh, I think the Dinan. Me, personally. The Dinnick. The Dinnick brothers? Yeah. Um, I'm going Bucket. I think Buckets would be kind of interesting. I mean, for for a pretty long time, uh, Yosef and Buckets were running together. But I feel like we didn't hear Buckets got convicted, right? So I'd imagine after, he probably still just was running around doing his thing. I did read some stuff on it. Buckets is actually in jail now, but when this started, his original reign started in like 96, and he just actually went to prison fairly recently. So he did end up having a reign that was a couple decades, which we all know, you know, the criminal life sometimes is pretty short. So a couple years on top of that is pretty good. Yeah, yeah the Dinnick brothers, because our, our story is basically the end of their story, but when we picked up, they were like a powerhouse, so it kind of would have been, like, I guess the ones that I was kind of thinking of was, I was thinking about Buckets, you know, could be good. The Robert Haloub, 
He, he sure seemed he hard was, to kill. He, was, he came across in my thoughts. Yeah. But there were a lot of interesting ones because, like, how they call it, like, I know this era and this history. The one, I forget his name, but that you say, oh, the entrepreneur. It's not like over here, it's not like a Elon Musk. It's like a, a entrepreneur in the, in Eastern Europe like that. Like, you know, love to hear his story. <laughs> well, that is true because, like I said earlier, I, I just... make my bones. I sell a bunch of 15-year-old girls. <laughs> you know, I'm entrepreneur. I'm expanding my mind and my business at all times. Like, dude, like, like I'm just saying, like, an Eastern European entrepreneur is not, like... Well, to extent... They don't have Mr. Pillow and the Clapper. They don't... He didn't come from our era, you know what I mean? Like, well, I, f- I feel like this, uh, this speaks to you knowing what you're talking about where it comes to this part of the world. Because in my notes that I didn't actually read, that guy, it said... My actual note said, controversial entrepreneur. Yeah. Well, anytime, <laughs> just for even... From 1970 till 2029, if you hear Russian, Bulgaria, any of those Baltic countries and entrepreneur, controversy's got to be in there because... Yeah, he didn't invent the squatty potty. You know, yeah, he was selling, you know, old Soviet arms or, yeah, shipping uh, containers full of females. At one in the morning in 1998, you didn't hear like, oh my God, you need cleanup? I got ShamWow. Look how good it absorbed. Like, no. Different kind of entrepreneurial system over there. All right. Now, you guys haven't seen a picture yet. I got a picture ready to go. But now, say we got to cast this thing. So if we we're going to make a movie about the life of Yosef Rohak, who would you cast to play him? You want to go first, Bugs? Yeah, I had to look this one up because I didn't know his name. But I, uh, I'm i going with Remy Malik from Bohemian mm. Rhapsody. So okay. I chose... Well, he would now be expensive because he's a uh, uh, Oscar. Is that is that what it is? The movies is that the Oscars or is it yeah. the Emmys? Yeah, Oscar award winner, best actor. Emmys is like your TV shit. But yeah, he's like the one of the new premier actors. Yeah. But when you do a dreamboat like Freddie Mercury, how could you not be? <laughs> I'm gonna go because it's the Eastern European look, so I'm thinking like medium, big, rough, but like uh, a little scruffy and with some. Blonde hair or blue eyes or no hair and blue eyes, I'm going to go, like, Jason Statham. I was very about to call Jeremy uh, Rennie or Remy. Renner. Jeremy Renner. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'm going to go with Jason Statham just because I'm, I don't know this dude. I vaguely remember some of that uh, prison break, you know, as a little kid at that time. But, like, I just, I'm going to go with Jason Statham. Jason Statham. Off the subject, but I was watching The Town the other day. We, we, we're lockdown people, so I've been watching a lot of stuff lately. But watching The Town and watching Jeremy Renner play uh, like a gangster, I swear to God, as I'm watching it, I thought, why don't we pick Jeremy Renner to play more people? Dude, it came down to them, too, just because of their blue eyes, but they have to have a physical... This dude didn't sound like a fat, old, like a, a killer Burke body. Like, I right. picture this guy's got to be somewhat athletic-ish. Right. For some reason, I'm thinking he's small. Like he's a little dude. Oh, wow! So here we got Yosef Rohak. And I think if you look at the uh, the guards around him in the the full mass and tactical gear and earpieces, like it kind of speaks to the level. Yeah, of... they don't even have coronavirus at this time. They're all like <laughs> shit, dude. But instead of like you guys at home, like how Hannibal Lecter would be uh, transported with the mask, and he this dude's just in a t-shirt and a jacket, and the cops are all like. 
Like he's biohazardous material or something. Like holy shit. Uh, that Everybody is kind of, around him looks so concerned. He's just he's he looks, like, come he's on, there in a leather jacket. Like what's up? Um, fuck the duck. Let's get to this shit, man. I I was not able to find a single picture of Yosef Ryohak where he was wearing some gangster shit. He's always wearing a lot of these leather jackets or these old sweaters. Well, look how and warm and comforting. Can't find a picture of a guard that like a, doesn't have a mask on around. Yeah, him. the guard's got ninja masks and like. Okay, so I don't know. Look at that look, though. Does he not just look like he'll fucking walk up to you and skull fuck you? Like, hey, bro. <laughs> so step I, the fuck back. I don't know with all the with all the guards with the tactical gear, the tactical gear in the mask. I don't know if that's a cultural thing where that's how their police dress, or if he's just most of his crimes he's went down for. Like all his stuff is listed as either terrorist act or assassinations. So he's much more viewed as like a. A political prisoner than he is as a gangster so i don't know if that just gets you into a different level of law enforcement or if that's just how they all roll in budapest right no because i mean like i'm not an expert on the like hungarian side but like that looks like tactical gear that looks more like a swat team escort in the sky right now than uh you got to imagine the street police look more not like a boppy but like our street police those those don't look like our street police that looks like if i swatted you guys right now that's what would show up with <laughs> right. fucking kicking the climbing door. down the roof a black helicopter that you can't hear fucking like ninja masks in this picture he kind of looks like that dude that plays rorschach oh um i don't know his name i just looked that up recently too he looks a little sean connery-esque with that bald head like before he got real old not sean connery today that would be uh it's jackie earl haley Okay. That's the guy that played. And honestly, I was thinking, anytime the guy's a small guy, I always go with Ben Foster. Okay. But I think, after you saying that, I think Jackie Earl Haley could probably be the way to go. Yeah. I agree. I mean, he's little, but he's also, I'm not locked in here with you. You're yeah. locked in here with me. <laughs> you just got to throw a Slavic accent on that, and uh, you're officially Joseph. Yeah, I think uh, too, like uh, like the people playing at home with these, like we're never. It's it's almost set up against you because like they're a little bit obscure, so you're never. Most of the hosts here on this side that didn't research the guy aren't gonna know what he looks. So the people at home, you have just as good of a fucking. You know, if you play along and take your guess before you look them up. I think it's really funny that like almost every time like you're like you know what I'm gonna go with uh. Christian Bale, Jeremy fucking Renner. Like, nope, it's uh, Jackie Earl Haley. All right, so now we got to go to the DEFCON scale. Now, a standard DEFCON scale is from five to one. Five being the lowest, one being the highest. Now, on the Bad Guy podcast, nobody's a good, good guy. So five would be Lee Murray, who is your crack dealing, kidnapping, bank robber. One would be the Purple Gang, who's got multiple massacres, multiple gang wars and they're killing cops on the street so on a scale of lee murray to the purple gang where would you rate joseph rohack you want to go first bugs that's all you j bone all right um he would have been a three right in the middle of the pack because he was a good at what he does like you said everybody on this podcast is a bad guy so nobody's like a saint but he was good he kind of just did like in the code like, he kind of was just doing it. The only thing that put him up, he knew how many equivalent pounds per TNT his bombs were. To go on that city block like that and take out the whole... You knew that was going to catch more than just your guy. So, kudos to the badness of you that got the guy. You knew you were going to get that, but you knew you were going to catch some collateral damage. But up until then, even with that crazy-ass cement fucking block story, blew the dude 500 feet away. Like, he was pretty good... 
most of these guys, like in the Irish mob and stuff, like the IRA, and they're bomb-centric, bomb-heavy. And then, you know, the Arabics, like who do, where they take out them terrorists, take out the whole block. This guy was pretty damn good with explosives as his main way of taking out people. And there wasn't a lot of collateral damage. If you were a little more careful there, I'd have put you at a three, like right damn smack in the middle of the pack, you know? So, yeah, like that's why I'm going to go with a two. Yeah, I'm agreeing with J-Bo, and I'm giving him a two. I feel like um he didn't get really get into it till like age 29 I believe you said but uh when he did he was kind of a gangster about it and then picked it up and next thing you know just kind of escalated working for big name people and uh how smart and like detail oriented he was and the fact that he worked with bombs was crazy he escaped so, from prison he was a thinker he traveled a little bit in this game like there was there's a lot i feel yeah i'm gonna give him a two and like the fact that you you brought it up like he worked with bombs and the fact that like he only had three innocent bodies like that's kind of crazy but i was keeping track and i think he had like 10 10 or 11 like hits that he did mm-hmm. which is pretty impressive because you said he like a couple mob bosses some hits like some crazy stuff now this podcast we do standard mma scoring now i personally would have had him at a number one because i kind of feel like he had high level guys you know what i mean he had political guys but i also i also think when you ultimately look at it like i mean yeah he was a gangster and he was a fucking murder uh, murderer obviously but it all kind of came into it, a guy just trying to not be oppressed by a oppressive government at a time that is confirmed to have been a compressive government. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, let's not forget the whole prison riot. He did start a mutiny. No, and on that tip, like, we don't well, glorify I mean, he getting, what anybody he's getting does. Beat by, you know, he's getting, he's getting beat by guards for not giving up, for not snitching. You know right. what I mean? He's getting denied trying to even leave his country at all. You know? Like that. I mean, I guess that uh, that shit can drive a motherfucker crazy. Took extra time at the end, like, hey, man, I did that one too, you know, so nobody innocent gets... But, like, uh, on that tip, though, like, he, uh... That you saying, like, he was a murderer, but to be on this show, that's like... Right. It's it's a game of Texas Hold'em. Those three cards and the, those community cards, that's already there. So you wouldn't even be on this fucking cast if you weren't crappy of a person enough to be that but it's inside the body of the work you know nobody's like a saint nobody's ever a one and like you know he was doing it for fucking america dude right like you know see and like i said i i can see why you say a one but like i'm saving my ones for important people but um i feel like towards the end he, he did get a little sloppy yeah, I, I, I think I'm still sticking with the two. I would get I would I had no problem his body of work warranted a one, but like I don't think the intent to be that me. I think he just wanted you know, like Rambo just wanted to get a bite to eat and stuff, and that <laughs> sheriff kept pushing and pushing. So like fuck him. I'm glad that that came up in the natural progression of the show because uh, it turns out today Brian Dennehy passed away today at the age of 81. He's the guy that wouldn't let him have the bird. He was a vagrant. Like, right, that character was Brian Dennehy. He's just a great actor that I fucking <laughs> like and shit. Let's let's not throw the baby away with the bathwater and shit. Like, I always said, uh, the old man fight that I always wanted to see would be Brian Dennehy versus Stacy Keach. Oh yeah, that's how I know it's the old man fight. I don't even think I know either of them. <laughs> well, you, no, you, those guys. You know both life. of them if you've seen them. Yeah, okay. and they'd be like two old dudes that you'd see and be like, oh yeah, I could see those guys fist fighting at the BFW. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Over a pool game. No, I'm stripes. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go standard MMA scoring. So that's going to be a majority, too. Dropping a deuce on y'all.
Take it to DEFCON 2. You heard that, gentlemen? DEFCON 2. Now we got to do some listener feedback. Now, if you guys go to Apple or iTunes and give us a five-star rating and leave a review, if you leave a review, we'll read it on the show. You can also email us at say hello to the bad guy podcast at gmail.com. We'll read that on the air. And if you have uh, you have a comment, you have a you have a question, you got a correction, or if you have somebody you want to cover, just let us know. Speak your mind, fools. For real, it's <clears throat> well, an interactive uh, cast. Well, I mean, last week it, it kind of changed the guy that we're going to do for the week. So, you know, you let us know what you guys want to hear. We'll do it. Shout out Fat Tom X. So our first review this week is from Gangster Ray. It says, uh, history of beer. is educational without the lecture. It's uh, short and sweet. but Yeah, to the point. I think I think that's kind of that's kind of the vibe, right? Yeah. That we're going well, for. It's, the nail, it's hitting the nail on the head. Like, you could almost put that in, like, the tight, like, the description of the show, like. Me being a college student, lecture sucks. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, nobody wants to hear that bullshit lecture. Nobody hates learning stuff. We just hate being lectured to. But by all means, keep it. Get to the bullets. Keep it there. And the next one is from Yoda One for Me. It says Dom from Let's Wine About Murder. This show is drunk history meets the dollop. It's amazing. Good info and fun to listen to them just talk about the stories. Yeah, I feel like that's a pretty solid review. But let's uh. Just talk about that name. I think that's going to be my new Tinder name or something. <laughs> y- Yoda one for me. Yeah, you, oh, Yoda one for me. That is good. That's yeah, kind of that funny. That is cool. Respect. Well, now, Dom from Let's Wine About Murder. Now, they do a podcast that it's similar to what we do, except it's a couple ladies, and we drink craft beers. They tend to drink wine, and they handle the the serial killers and the murders that we typically don't do because... We're just we're, we don't talk about dark shit. We just talk about fucking murders yeah. and bombings. <laughs> I'd like to keep it light, <laughs> you know. But uh, I know some of our listeners. The true crime's a big genre right now, and a lot of Huge. if you listen, this is criminal history. So some of you might be into true history, and if you are into the serial killers that we're not going to cover, uh, check out Let's Wine About Murder. Well, I almost have to like they incorporate the word wine as like you know just part of their title, and then they do the same thing that we do almost like it sounds like like. If That's we, our sister show. Yeah. Where are they out of? Are they out of Detroit as well? Uh, no, I'm not sure where they're out of. That's not good. Like, cause murder and wine and beer and bad guys, it all kind of transcends like right. borders. It's out, it's out there, man. Red like, rum. <laughs> so yeah, check them out. I'm definitely gonna check them out. We don't get any emails today, so that's the last of our reviews. Real quick, you guys got anything before we go? No, just uh, glad that this this whole thing. I know the whole country, the whole world's going through it. It's almost through it, you know, like. It's the end is near for that crap, so stay safe. You got anything, Bugs? It was pretty good podcast. Uh, this boss tweet was pretty good. Well, that's what we go for, pretty good. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's always it our was goal. Solid. The bar is medium. <laughs> this boss the tweet bar me. is medium. I didn't. This boss tweet hit me differently, yeah. so this is, I was uh, feeling it this one. The, the world's okayest podcast. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, well, don't forget, Sixfo Sueno. Look him up on YouTube. Subscribe to his YouTube channel. Uh, go to Instagram. Follow us at Bad Guy Podcast. Follow Cancer at Eyes Bleed Defiance on Instagram. Uh, this is Say Hello to the Bad Guy. Thanks for coming, and thanks for listening. Yeah.
Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. To be dad, spent my birthdays in the trap. We had to work with what we had. She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man. Plus, my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the cam. And I don't need a hundred friends. I just want a hundred bands, a hundred jugs, a hundred scams. Ay, ay. So, out of money, grabbed a hundred hams. So, out of money, grabbed a bunch of And bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols. Fuck a judge with a grudge. I'm blowing crud for my mental life. Still keep it on me, run into your big homie First you meet your dead homie, yeah. yeah. Say hello to the bad guy The good guy coming last place You smell that dope when I pass by I let my money at a fast pass Say hello to the bad guy Thanks for listening. Just real quick, want to ask you to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Go to Apple iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and leave us a review, and we'll read it on the show. If you have any questions, comments, or a guy that you would recommend we cover, you can email us at sayhellotothebadguypodcast at gmail.com. We also want to thank Sixfo Sueno for letting us use his music in the intro. You can subscribe to him on YouTube, and also a friend of the show, Cancer. He's got an art, photography, and graphic design page at Eyes Bleed Defiance on Instagram. You can see a lot of his work, including our cover art, which he designed. And he also performed the mid-show song, Blood, from his album, Grenades, Pistols, and Rape Whistles. Now back to the show.